Buckle up and get ready for another episode of the Geoholics Podcast. But before we get started, here are a few words from our friends of the program. Bad Elf. I'm told by the Bad Elf folks that choosing a company name can be quite challenging, but apparently copious amounts of German beer and hearty cuisine greatly aid the brainstorming process. The Bad Elf name was conceived in October 2009 while the team was attending a conference in Ludwigsburg, Germany. Bad Elf envisions, designs, and manufactures niche hardware and software as it relates to data collection. They are changing the business model and, quite frankly, the world of GPS by planning to democratize it, meaning making it realistic for anyone and everyone to collect survey-grade data. Bad Elf is engineering magic, and I can't wait to see what they have in store for our listeners as we move forward into 2020. Please visit bad-elf.com for more information. Land Surveyors United. Land Surveyors United is not just a community of land surveyors. It is a living library, a social network, an educational platform, a discussion forum, a theater, and so much more. The LSU Network is a rapidly evolving community where professional land surveyors around the world share what they have learned during their career as a land surveyor. Inside, you can both contribute to the collective knowledge about surveying shared for future generations or learn something new every single day. The Land Surveyors United team and members of this community are working hard every day to break down the barriers that have for so long kept the industry isolated. In this network, the language and cultural obstacles have been eliminated from your communication. Please visit LandSurveyorsUnited.com for more information. Parkland College Land Survey Program. The land surveying program at Parkland College in Champaign, Illinois offers two schedule formats which provide opportunities to both traditional students and working adults. The conventional track is a certificate or associate degree option with on-campus classes throughout the week. The weekend land surveying program presents an affordable, convenient way for working adults to complete required coursework to become a competent technician or work towards professional licensure. Both formats include traditional techniques, current applications with modern equipment, as well as emerging technologies like drones and UAVs. The instructional staff includes five licensed surveyors with wide-ranging experience. Parkland's land surveying program was also the proud recipient of the 2016 NCWES Surveying Award. Please visit parkland.edu forward slash surveying for more information. Unifly Aero Solutions, LLC. Unifly was born in 2015 out of a vision to unify drone surveying, data management, and CAD conversion under a single umbrella, creating a one-stop shop that solves all your problems. Unifly's surveyors, analysts, and drones fly the extra mile to bring this vision to life every single day within your own office. Engineered to fit all your requirements, Unifly follows a unique 3D approach, that being drones. Easy to deploy, high-precision drones to add an edge to your surveying tools, taking your operational efficiency and mapping analysis up a few notches. Data. Infinitely improved cloud-based data processing is now reality thanks to their tightly controlled data analytics and management system. Elevate your business to new heights by effectively processing your data for enhanced productivity. Drafting. Unify provides end-to-end solutions under one roof by offering CAD drafting and conversion solutions for your ortho photos, allowing you to process your drone data in any format you need. Please visit unify.aero for more information. Thanks again to our friends of the program. If you too would like to be part of the cool kids as well, send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com to find out more. We've got another great episode on tap for you. So thanks again for listening. And please continue to like and share our podcast with your professional network as we are relying on you to spread the word about the geoholics. Ready, boys? I am ready and able. Was I that never, perfect I never heard that little before in there. Oh, my God. I tried to time it perfectly. We've welcome. never gotten that far. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is episode 20 of The Geoholics, a podcast produced by and for geomatics professionals, also known as the Pete Alonzo episode. The polar bear himself. You are welcome, big shoots. Thank you. NL Rookie of the Year, 53 home runs, home run record. You know, he led the majors last year. He's going to be with the Mets for his entire career. It's like you're a 
fan or something. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't for you. That was for Hudson, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I guarantee you, one of those games this year when they're in town, we will both be wearing our Pete Alonso jerseys. Picks Matching. Picks or it didn't happen. Oh, it'll happen. 2020, we'll both have the 20 jerseys on. How appropriate. Oh, I, my God. Oh, I just blew my own mind. <laughs> Uh, With the new year, we started something exciting. Anybody that donates $20 more to the Geoholics GoFundMe uh, account, we receive a highly sought-after Geoholics bracelet. And we're going to be posting pictures of people wearing these bracelets in very unique situations. So this is a pretty cool thing we're doing. And, of course, they get their names mentioned on the, uh, the next podcast. Our generous donors this past week are Michael Thompson. And Michael is actually the chair of the Professional Surveyors of Canada. A. A. <laughs> Our first north of the border donator. That's freaking awesome. And Phil Fedor with Bowman Consulting. Thank you guys so much for your support. It's uh, greatly, greatly appreciated. Now, did uh, Michael send you some cheesies with that donation? <laughs> no cheesies, and I'm not sure about the, uh, the, the dollar translation there between to loonies yeah exactly ah you didn't think i knew the loonies <laughs> i'll bring you a loony next show <laughs> uh the opening tune of course is carol pacey and the honey shakers the name of that song is crumb and the honey shakers are carol of course and the honey shakers andy ben and will andy's my favorite honey shaker no, no favorites. No favorites. They're all good. They are some of the best Americana thrash pop you're ever going to hear. Their latest album is titled Bliss, and they have a big show coming up on uh, January 30th at Rips in Phoenix, which the lovely Megan and I will most definitely be at. All their music is available on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out some of their videos on YouTube. You're going to love these guys as much as we do. Good energy on them. Absolutely. Social Hall plug time, Studio oh. One. Good to be back. Every it's week. two weeks in a row. Gotta love it. Uh, Chef Jason Diaz was supposed to join us tonight, but he unfortunately was unable to make it. So He's too busy making the big shoots down there. <laughs> I know I, it. I suggested today that he put cream chip beef on the menu. Have you guys ever had that? No. It's like one of the best things ever. Okay. Explain, Go- please. Go- Google that shit. That's cream all I can say. Cream chip beef? Yes. It's like, you know that Carl Buttig beef? Uh-huh. You know, I'm talking about the, the the packaged beef. So it's that <laughs> and almost like some white, some mystery white sauce, and you put it on toast. It's like it's out of this world. Oh my god, it's out goodness. of this world. I texted him that, and he's like, "I don't even know what the hell that is." I don't blame him. Nobody <laughs> so, does. You're yeah. just a weirdo. Yep, yep. Uh, I can't, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I, I am distracted because I just looked it up, and it 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 doesn't look appetizing. It's got to be better than well, it looks. Are you more concerned the about the mystery say. meat or the mystery white sauce? Both. It just does not look good at all. It's like, uh, what is it, biscuits and gravy, but well, yeah, on a whole like, other level. It's like poor man's biscuits and gravy. That's a good way to look at it. Okay, that's what it looks like. At I least. grew up on that stuff, man. That and like uh, beefaroni out of the can. Yeah. Chef Boyardee in it? Yes. I would just open up the can and dig in. It was fantastic. I feel like if I ate this, I would have to go out and like plow the field afterwards. I was a a poor child. Uh, I was born a poor black child. (laughs) 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 So with Jason's uh, absence, let's make sure we thank Mike Kenny and his staff that are absolutely phenomenal. They always take great care of us here. And of course, if you're ever in Arizona, come and check out Social Hall. And maybe you'll even get a... uh, (laughs) <laughs> Maybe he'll get a trip up to Studio One. Who knows? I don't know. That's a highly sought-after adventure. <laughs> it costs big bucks. Yeah, yeah. Let's catch up with the fellas. Producer Jake, man, what's up? Had a fantastic weekend. The um, world, the world traveler. Exactly. Yeah. So I spent spent the weekend in Southern Illinois, and also the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes leads the <laughs> Chiefs to the Super Bowl. Fifty years in the making, and this is crazy. So how excited were you on that like run? So excited to the end zone. That, when he was at the five. That twenty-seven yard. That twenty-seven yard run. That was amazing. He just he, he made it happen. So <laughs> they even posted a clip of uh, when he was in high school and he had a similar run that he did in the really? similar fashion when they were down seven to tie the game. So really? he's been doing it from a young age. So I'm Born getting super bread. excited. How he wasn't pushed out of bounds. I I have no idea. Well, there, there was some discussion. It's grit. On like, it's all grit. You know, the guys pull up because you know you can't touch the quarterbacks yeah. and everything. It's but like that. Nah, not in that scenario, though. He was he was when he got down up. when he got down there. He was going after. Oh it. yeah, yeah. The, you, there was no denying that. That's guy. Super Bowl grit. That's all I think that, that changed the game right there. I think so too. Yep. Seven points before the half. That's huge. Absolutely. But anyway, looking forward to that and. Uh, 
here in a couple of weeks. So, oh, Ryan, what on, are you up on, to? Oh, well, hold on. Before we get to me on your trip, you got to oh, yeah? tell us. Uh, did you go to somebody? Highlight? Did you go to somebody's old stomping grounds? We I did. Heard? We did. We went to a uh, Southern Illinois University and checked out the campus down there. Drove around, went to a couple local spots. Go Salukis. Yep, go Salukis. There's a basketball game. They won. Did you go to the game? We didn't go to the game, but no. we, we watched it. Yeah, they were playing uh, Drake. I'm not really familiar, but they were the underdog, and they won by like 13 or 14 That's a powerhouse, so man. There did, you go. Did you go right down Dilfy Dilf Way? Yeah, they've they got a street <laughs> named after him there. That, that's where the uh, frat house is. Right next house to the university, yeah. It's, it's right in front of the Delta Chi house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, illustrious <laughs> alumni. Yeah, there's a picture of him hanging up. Oh, man. Well, to, to disappoint you guys, i got to just shoot out of the gates like that. Hudson, after last week, the, he was going to make a stand and be, you know, remember the Alamo on this. The teacher was not there the next day, and then it just went under the rug after that. Are you that. serious? Oh, my All goodness. that for nothing? And he had, like, four or five times in those two days where he, like, expressed to Carrie and I that he was concerned about it. He the was nervous and, like, all shaken up and then just completely swept under the rug. See, that's how anxiety starts. It was very disappointing. Yep. I, you know, I, I hope his teacher doesn't listen to this. I want all the listeners we can get, but not her. <laughs> uh, I was kind of looking forward to a little bit of, I don't want to say a fight, but just... Uh, Something. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to let my son just roll over and take it from you. Right. So that was very disappointing over the weekend, huh. but... You know, other than that, I just sat around and watched the football games, two football games, well, one and a half. That second one, I gave up at halftime. Yeah. We knew that was yeah. going nowhere. Um, other than that, hmm. oh well, not, not a whole lot of, of goings on. I'm, I'm a pretty boring family man. How about you, <laughs> how about you Dilphy? Oh, let's see. In the last week, as most of the listeners know, I uh, parlayed my fantasy football winnings into <laughs> an, an electric guitar and amp. So I've been uh, checking out a bunch of YouTube videos, ton of good videos out there for be beginning uh, guitar players. And believe it or not, I learned the White Stripes Seven Nation Army. Bum, 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 One string, bum. of course. That's ah, pretty yeah. easy. No power chords yet. Still working on that. Well, one of these days you'll bring it right into Studio One here. Oh no, I'm gonna write a uh, I'm gonna write a, a riff. There's no doubt about it. Well, Geoholics specific riff no no doubt yeah uh, for just, sure are you gonna have lyrics with this or is it just uh, no you don't want me to instrumental sing. only you do not want me to sing jake how's your uh singing voice not that great no, no? all right so no singing no singing <laughs> will be instrumental voice. <laughs> in addition to that let's see i uh i have a new guilty pleasure as a matter of fact another one <laughs> you know what I, I make notes for myself on these for the episodes i have i have a new quilty pleasure <laughs> <laughs> i hope it's not quilting oh my no, god it's a guilty pleasure so the lovely megan and i discovered this show on netflix and i'm embarrassed to say this but it's called <laughs> slobby's world okay have you heard of it no, no. explain please <laughs> it's it is so bad but it's like the best mindless tv on that on netflix it's got to be what is it all about the only reason we even gave it a chance is because it's from Tucson, mm -hmm. Arizona. Oh, geez. So that, this okay, guy, it's already bad. This guy, his last, I don't know, he is, his nickname is Slobby. So he's got this store in Tucson called Generation Cool, okay? And he sells, like, all this retro stuff for ridiculous amounts of money, and it's just, like, the stories behind all the stuff he gets and how much money he makes. I mean, it's a combination of, like, I don't know. Antique road show and It's Slobby the hipster. He well, yeah, you got to see the guy. You got to see the guy. So, Slobby's world, shameless plug, don't get used to it. Wow. It, Check if it you out. want to talk about terrible television, I I you found got something? It, oh my goodness. Have you seen the show My 600 Pound Life? I've don't, seen it, but I've don't never watch even given it. that a chance. Don't watch it. I know it. you lost a bunch of weight, but why I, do you do yourself I just, that? I, I feel better about myself watching it, and I admit that. Yeah. But I just watch these people, and I'm like, man, oh, man. Like, you see drug addiction. You see alcohol addiction, all this stuff. But they just they start eating, and they go into a whole different world. 
I, I've never felt that happy eating in my life. It's like all scripted, though. It's like scripted eating. Oh, my goodness. But they, like, go to the fast food place, and it's they just order, 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 order. <sighs> and, and then they're, like, riding in minivans because that's all they fit in. I feel horrible for them, but I can't stop watching it. It's like a train wreck. So why don't we just follow you around and call it my 200-pound life? There we go. Well, I can get it up to three if you want. We can go back there. Well, if we can make some money. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Pay me enough. I can, I can get the uh, good food. I'll get some Wagyu beef or something like that <laughs> oh man we gotta figure out a way to retire dude <laughs> play golf every day i just want to play golf at palo verde palo verde every day just nine holes Goat quick track, track every and, day yeah, yeah no doubt outside of that i am looking forward to black moods have a show this friday at wasted grand scottsdale we'll be at that for sure and believe it or not the lovely megan and i have a have a getaway weekend planned for this weekend it's a real quick trip we're jetting out Saturday morning, going up to Sacramento, spending the day in Lodi, drinking a bunch of wine. And then uh, on Sunday, she's going to be curling at Wine Country Curling Club. So, so after a day of wine, she's got to go curling. She's going to go curling, yep. And then there, I'm assuming there's going to be kegs at the curling tournament. There's going to be, well, well, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be all kinds oh of stuff. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Are you guys going to remember this trip? We'll have to. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope. And after that, I'm just going to be geared up. Guess what? Next week is Waste Management Open here in Phoenix. Oh, boy. That is never good. Top three, for sure, weekends of the year in Phoenix. Are we going to do the Pro-Am again this year? We are on Wednesday. All right. Let's have, I, we'll I got, get some picks. I got to tell the story. Jake, you've heard this before. We went last year, and uh, old Delphi, as the Cubs fan that he is, literally starts screaming at, who was it? Greg Maddox. You're like, Greg, Greg, Greg. And he comes over and he takes a picture. He's all excited like a little child again. And then we had to chase Anthony Rizzo for like three holes. We were following him the whole way. <laughs> and he got no play. This smoking hot blonde chick walks up. Of course, Anthony Rizzo turns right around. Boom, picture with her, signs everything she needs. And Ken's just sitting there. Oh, that sucked. <laughs> Moral of the so. story, uh, Kent's dressing up as a, as a woman this year. He's going to be Double Bubble. Double that's Bubble. That's going to be his nickname. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it is a great time to be in Arizona, no doubt. I, I heard a stat the other day. It's like over 100 people a day are moving to Arizona. Really? Yeah. Again. It's it, ridiculous. And that's like slower than our heyday. It's ridiculous. Well, most of California is coming good here. Good for the economy, that's for sure. Safety share for this episode. Um, a lot of folks are snowed in right now. It's crazy. Did you guys see the weather up in Newfoundland? What What is snow? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that stuff on your shoulders. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't have dandruff. Come on. <laughs> Head and shoulders, baby. <laughs> a lot of folks are snowed in, so <laughs> this is a terrible lead-in. Uh, the safety share for this episode is kitchen awareness. If you're All locked, right. in, if you're snowed in, you're stuck in the house. You're stuck the in kitchen the house. is there. Cook. See, we're on the same page. That's why this <laughs> works so well. So, a couple couple items of note for uh, kitchen safety. First of all, um, this is a reminder for most folks, I'm sure. Store knives in a wooden block or in a drawer. You want to make sure knives are out of the reach of children, of course. Never cook in loose clothes. This is one I hadn't really thought of before. And keep long hair tied back. You don't want anything accidentally catching fire, no doubt. And you definitely don't want hair ending up in your food. Ew. Never cook while wearing dangly jewelry. A bracelet can get tangled around pot handles. That, one, that one's a new one by that me. One, yeah, but think about it. It makes sense. Well, I, I never have to think about it, so. <laughs> Turn pot <laughs> handles away from the front of the stove. Children can't grab them then, and adults can't bump into them if they're out of the way. And this is really good. Actually, I had a cousin that when she was little, um, she reached up on the stove and pulled a pot of boiling water down on her and like her, like her whole torso and everything. I mean, she was like, you know, six years old or something mm. like that. It was awful. It was awful. Mm. I'll never forget it. So that's a really good one, actually. Um, if you happen to spill in the kitchen, wipe up those spills immediately. Keep the floor dry so that no one slips and falls. That makes perfect sense. Absolutely. And finally... Well, actually, I have two more. I just thought of another one. Make sure to have a fire extinguisher in the kitchen. Of course. A lot of people don't think about that. It's super cheap. Just stick it in the in the cabinet, whatever. Um, you never know. I never thought about it before moving in with my wife, and her dad brought two of them over the day we moved in. I'm like, what the hell are really? these for? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. when when we moved again, he brought two more for forward us. Forward thinking. I know. They're that's, smart people. That's probably potentially the best housewarming gift you got. It's the safest, that's for sure. And the last one I have, I may have mentioned this, I have no idea in the beginning of the podcast, but if you are working with a sharp knife, 
cutting vegetables, cutting whatever, <laughs> and you happen to drop the knife for some reason, immediate thought would be try to catch the knife, right? That's just like our natural reaction to that. But I'm sure Jake will want to add to this. I would highly suggest not trying to catch the knife. You got to let it fall. Just let it fall. Let it fall. Let it do its let thing. Let it fall. <laughs> let it fall. <laughs> all right, man. Well, before we get yeah, off the safety chair, got? I just got to say, if the, all these people are locked in their homes, they're probably safe right now. But this whole Wuhan virus or whatever, have you heard about this from Wuhan? China? Yeah, this aerial virus that's killing people left and right. Is it the, here in the states? It just got here today in the it state like of showed like up Seattle. on a plane or something. Uh, somebody <laughs> brought it, of course, but it came. It was in Seattle, the first confirmed case of it. Are They're you saying, serious? Yeah, it's like SARS or whatever airborne disease, and it's is killed there a like whole bunch a of people. Inoculation for that or something? Not yet. There's n- they have no idea what it is. Well, that's not good. So it started in it's Wuhan because that was the province or area of China it started in, and it spread all through East. Asia and all that. Now oh there was God. the first confirmed case in in the United States. So uh, really, we might have to start wearing those masks all the time for the podcast. All the time? Oh, just all the time? Yeah, it's not just for the podcast. <laughs> We're probably safest here in Studio One. It's not every that. day out and about that's a problem. <laughs> There's a lot of hidden germs in Studio One. No, if me. you guys haven't heard about it, look it up. I heard about it today, and you really? know, I've seen that movie Outbreak and I love Contagion. That movie. And yeah, those are great oh, movies. They scare the hell out of me. I so know. I hear it this stuff happen. on the news, and I'm like, oh, no. So, so your safety share is what? Uh, don't breathe. <laughs> that's basically what it boils down to but i don't oh, know if, if fantastic it, as as more information comes out we might have to start wearing masks and stuff and so don't until they figure it out yep and don't talk about politics yeah two oh, yeah. really good safety easy enough yeah. yeah just avoid both those things yes they'll they'll get you far in life <laughs> all right let's move on dude we spent a lot of time with this lead and that could be a record hey you know what if you're having good times with good people just go with it hey it just happens go with it all right our guest today is robert lone the third uh, Robert, first of all, thank you for being with us. Uh, you guys are very welcome. And I think that virus got spread by uh, the fishing industry in China, wow. from what I read as well. So, oh my God. Tainted, tainted fish. Nah, we better stick to eating <laughs> beef then instead of fish. Well, we'll talk about being a vegan here in a minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat more of that buddy <laughs> chipped beef. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me give you guys a little background information on Robert. Um, he was born in Goshen, New York, and grew up in Cornwall on Hudson, New York. Ah, no. right in my old neck of the Really? Woods, just south of me. And uh, No, he grew up in yeah, Cornwall, Hudson, and Newport Ritchie, Florida. So where where is, I have no idea as far as New York goes, where is Goshen at? He's right by Poughkeepsie, if I'm not mistaken. That's uh, between Albany yeah. and the city. So oh, where is. I was was Albany, the capital okay. region. Gotcha. Then everybody knows where the city is. He was right along the Hudson. Okay. Okay, right on. Uh, Robert attended Florida Atlantic for his bachelor's degree and University of Florida for master's and graduate certificates. Uh, he also has a wonderful daughter, Lily, who just turned 13. He's got his hands full there, no doubt. Uh, hobbies include Muay Thai, kickboxing, hiking, biking, and collecting gemstones. Let's circle back on that a little bit. Tell us about the Muay Thai kickboxing. It's my understanding you, you, you do that competitively. Is that correct, Robert? Yeah, I actually fought in Arizona last April in the U.S. Open. And it was at the Sheridan Crescent Hotel out there, and I finished this last year. And the year before, in 2018, I finished uh, nine. Wow. So I'm a pretty high-ranked amateur kick uh, Muay Thai kickboxer. I love it. It's like my hobby. Oh. But I actually haven't been able to do any of it for about the past seven months because I got into two really bad car accidents oh. right back-to-back after the after the tournament, the day after the tournament, I get into a hit and run in Phoenix. <laughs> Not surprising. And, yeah, so. <laughs> we've been there. <laughs> so I got I got two concussions in two days: one from the fight and then one from the car accident. Oh my god, that's unbelievable! Unbelievable. So are you a MMA fan as well? I love MMA. I've I've tried to watch all the events when I can and follow Bellator. Uh, Wow. PFL and UFC. So awesome, awesome. What uh, what were your thoughts on the McGregor Cowboy fight this past weekend? Uh, I actually know uh, K 
cowboy's aunt. She took care of me after one of my injuries in uh, one of the, one of my fights. I broke my foot, and she was my nurse. So I was kind of pulling for cowboy. Plus, he's he's from Colorado, so yep. I'm living in Colorado now. So I, I I was pulling for cowboy, but I didn't think he was going to win because McGregor looked on point and his like interviews lead the fight you just knew he was focused and he was gonna go in there and like dominate um, by both of the body languages that guy might be the biggest a-hole on the planet but wow he literally you know, broke the dude's nose with his shoulder yeah i mean i <laughs> i agree he probably is top five a-holes but this is like a new conor mcgregor it's probably an act and everything but he was much more likable this time around. You know, maybe he's grown up a little bit and matured. Yeah. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. He did show a lot of respect to Cerrone during during the pre fight stuff. He was very yep. respectful to Cerrone, and I thought I thought uh, might be kind of changing his course. But I really want to see him fight Masvidal next. That would be a really good fight, a really good stand up fight. That's probably the biggest money fight on the planet, right there. I would say. Yeah, or or Pacquiao. Of course. Oh. <laughs> going that direction. I suppose that could happen as well. So uh, with the Muay Thai practice or, you know, competitive that you you've done, do you keep that in your back pocket when uh if and when your daughter brings any boyfriends around? You just mentioned that right off the top. Uh she's still a little too young for that, but that's <laughs> that's definitely going to be in the back pocket. If, <laughs> if anyone gets out of the line with my daughter, it's it's on. It's on, no <laughs> doubt. I, I can totally relate. I get a freaking plum Jacob from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> you give up a daughter, you get a producer. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious about the gemstones. Um, what is your most treasured find? I mean, are, do you go out and you look for them, or do you just kind of like uh, you go to shows and, and buy them? Uh, what's that all about? I do like a lot of auctions and like, I collect a lot of tanzanite, which is like a thousand times rarer than a diamond. Mm-hmm. And my, I have about a six and a half carat tanzanite that's worth about three thousand dollars. Wow! Mm-hmm. And then my favorite gemstone is moldavite, which is from like a asteroid that hit the the planet about fourteen million years ago in the Czech Republic. <laughs> and it's a it's a very rare gemstone, and I actually have like six pieces of that that I I, I treasure that stuff. That's like my favorite how altogether. That, how so. does one get a piece of uh, a meteorite that that hit the Earth? Um, there's a couple good websites to get it off of, like Intervision Crystals and Moldavite Family, and uh, and you can get, I I got a few of them on auction, so. But they're really, it's known as like the most powerful gemstone. Like when you wear it, it's supposed to open up your heart chakra and stuff like that. So I really enjoy that gemstone and the tanzanite. That's what I focus my collection on mainly. So my daughter got a six and a half carat tanzanite necklace for Christmas this this year. (laughs) Is Is there a gem out there that you can wear so you don't have to get a vasectomy? (laughs) that's a little inside for our guests we'll just let that one lie i uh, more importantly with the gemstones when you buy these on these websites and everything is there like i know with autographs and stuff there's psa or jsa that that authenticate this how do they authenticate your gemstones to be meteorites um, for the and- tanzanite that I buy i have a i have a filter and when i buy the tanzanite i actually test the tanzanite in my house with a filter because it'll it'll change color under certain light and it's like a bichromal where you'll see two different colors under two different filters so i test every piece of gemstone that i buy plus plus from the site that i buy everything they've never sold a fake gemstone on there they've never had someone complain about getting a fake gemstone so they're very reliable, but I also do my own checks on them. Got so it. Interesting. So, Robert, you've been published in American Surveyor three times, uh, POB Magazine once. Uh, you were also published in Vegan Health and Fitness Magazine. Is that correct? 
Yes, sir. That's pretty cool. And uh, Vegan Magazine as well. And then um, I'm working on my second paper for PDH Academy for the continuing ed. I'm actually writing on tunnel surveying right now. So yep. that's what uh, my current project is. I, I like to try to stay busy. So I'm always working on a license or a project or something. And I'm working on my Wyoming survey license now too and then pro- probably going to go for the CFED after that. Gotcha, gotcha. So you've been serving for, I don't know, plus or minus 20 years is my understanding and your current role is uh, Senior Survey Project Manager at Tri-State and that's, like you said, that's in Colorado, right? Yeah, Tri-State is like a, our main headquarters is in Colorado but we have, uh, we actually have assets in five states we have assets in colorado new mexico wyoming nebraska and a little bit in arizona we just have one plant in arizona okay but we actually have like 43 companies that work under us and we kind of like manage the the companies so we oversee them it's a really awesome job and we're doing a lot of transition transitioning to uh alternative energy now with all the legislation that's going through in Colorado and New Mexico. So it's a very interesting time to be in the transmission engineering field. And I, I really love the company. That's awesome. So it's, it's definitely my, my favorite job I've had since surveying and want to stay here long term. Good for you. It's hard to find that situation. So uh, congrats. That's awesome. You mentioned Wyoming. You also are a uh, uh, are you a professor at the University of, My- of Wyoming? Um, I'm an academic professional lecturer. Okay. So I teach land surveying courses, and I just started teaching civil engineering courses. So I really enjoy doing that. I've been doing that for about uh, four years now, and. It's a, it's a really good program. We get students from all over the country, and it's good to mentor them. And a lot of the students really enjoy my courses because I do a lot of, like, CAD and hands-on stuff that they're, they're not learning in their other courses. Because I, when I first started teaching, I talked to a, a few people who got their degrees, and they're like, I'm doing stuff that I don't do on a normal basis. I never learned this in school. And I'm like, well maybe I can like kind of help and transition the people better to learn when they get out of college and like work on project related stuff. And that's always been my focus since I've been at university of Wyoming. So very cool. So that's, uh, that's something that's done online then obviously. Um, yeah, I teach remotely online. I use the software called zoom where the students can see my desktop, and I could see the students all at once. So it's very interactive. It's just like being in a classroom, basically. It's very uh, hands-on. They can see me running my CAD commands. They can see me doing the work in real time. It's, it's very, it's very, uh, very, very um, interactive with the students. I, I like it a lot. So That's awesome. I have some... I have some really uh, good relationships with some of my past students. I actually got uh, my student, David Ravellis. Um, he, he audited a bunch of my classes, and he's actually working for BMT. He's like a tunnel engineer, and he's traveled all, all over the world building tunnels now since I started mentoring him about three years ago. So I'm, I'm really proud of him, and I'm I keep in contact with him on a daily basis and help him out as much as I can. So I, I have really good relationships with my former students, which is important to me. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's so. priceless, really. So you've mentioned tunneling a couple of different times. Let's talk about some of the really cool projects that you've been involved with. Um, the first one, let's talk about the Michigan Ditch Project in Fort Collins. Okay, the Michigan Ditch Project is a tunnel that was actually done around uh, elevation twelve to thirteen thousand feet, and it was a about a seven hundred and eighty-five foot tunnel, and it was a radial tunnel except for the last forty feet and the uh, first forty feet, and it was built for like a 
eight-foot waterway. So we actually used the TBM, and I affixed targets on the TBM and wrote my own formulas to calculate the roll, pitch, and the yaw of the TBM as we went. And that's how I developed the relationship with VMP and then got David that job is because I did a really good job on that. They said it came out within a dime's accuracy when it came out. So I was really happy with that project. And uh, I'm always learning new ways to do things when, when I'm uh, doing these tunneling projects because no project ever the same as, a, as another project. There's always new stuff to learn. So. So help me understand it, because I've never done anything like that, as most people, I'm sure, probably haven't done much, uh, many projects like that. So you set the elevation at the the entry point, and then you stake the, I guess, the exit point. So in between, and then you finish, you figure out the, the, the slope. Um, how do you, how, how was it monitored throughout the length of that project? Uh, you constantly have a, like, total station shooting a bat site, and then shooting your target. So you know where the position of the TBM is at all times. So you're constantly monitoring if you're having any shifts in the TBM, and then you make those corrections. And then also you have to go back out and kind of like traverse through the tunnel at times and make sure uh, your control's set good. Because if you have good control outside the tunnel and you keep, keep good distances you're you're pretty much going to get good results is what i found and then yeah it's very i do a lot of resections for i try to use more than one backsite when i'm when i'm setting control in there to try to take the angular error because on a curved tunnel if you have an angular error and you get off just a, a hair it's like almost almost impossible to get back on the curve sure so, so were it's, you like very? Uh, yeah, were you were you it's, like? It's very uh, tedious, and you you're constantly checking the the data. So, oh yeah, you'd have to be. It's got to be like a real time thing. So when when the when the TBM was about to come out, I guess at the end point, was everybody standing there around there like, oh my god, oh my god, and then the thing comes out and it's like this big cheer, and you guys like do shots of whiskey and stuff like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's a celebration for the breakthrough. But on that one, I pretty much knew we were coming out on target because that was one of my uh, – I, I had done previous tunnels before, and I I knew that one was going to come out good. It was like we were, we were on target most of the time. The most we ever got off is like 500. So. Wow, that's amazing. I was definitely, I was definitely confident on the breakthrough on that one. So you also worked on uh, Fossil Creek Tunnel. That was in Fort Collins as well, correct? Yeah, that one was kind of hand dug. And the interesting part about that tunnel is it was under like a railroad. So we had like uh, some settlement in the railroad ballast. So we had to monitor the we had to monitor the settlement and make sure that the tunnel wasn't collapsing. And we we would have to go out there and shoot it four times a day to make sure. Uh, there wasn't any cave-ins on that. Plus, it was an active uh, railroad line. So if if it did cave-in, we would have been in big trouble there. So that was a pretty good and interesting project. And that was the only one that I've ever done with, like, a sh- dug with a shield. So that was uh, that one was a little bit different than the, the TBM. The, <clears throat> the most interesting tunnel that I've done was uh, the Port of Miami Tunnel. And that was my first job right out of uh, getting my my bachelor's degree. And it was like, I was on there for like 70 hours a week sometimes. Wow. And like, they would call me at 3 o'clock in the morning and I'd have to go level the the, uh, total station. And it was a stressful job. I actually worked with a French company that did the channel. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I learned a lot on that. That's where I pretty much cut my teeth in tunnel surveying, and that was a quarter mile long. And we went under Biscayne Bay, and they actually had to do injections 
underwater to make sure the tunnel wouldn't cave in. And we had a couple issues where there was flooding in the tunnel, and it was pretty uh, it was pretty intense. The the inside of the t- the TBM looked like a spaceship, and it was over three hundred feet long. It was wow. it was definitely an awesome first project out of out of getting my bachelor's. It was like here you go, you're on a billion dollar project right off the gate. And I was I was I was definitely nervous on that one, but that one also came out really well. So. So you work on a project like that, and then you do like a uh, a boring Alta survey. <laughs> it's kind of got to be like anticlimactic a little bit, I would think. Um, I actually have like a wide variety, and I mean, I enjoy doing all sorts of surveys. I mean, right now I check a lot of easement descriptions and legals and stuff like that, but I actually work in Phoenix where you guys are at for... I think about a year for uh, Ron Barbala. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we know Ron and, really well. Yeah, we did a lot of uh, topo and uh, all the surveys and monitoring dams and stuff. And he was probably the best surveyor that I've learned from in my career. He was awesome. Like, he was a CFED, and he taught me so much about breaking down sections. And that was like... Uh, really good experience for me working for him he was very good mentor for me yeah mentors are definitely important and and ron would would be a great one no question um back to the miami tunnel project i was reading through the uh the article that that you helped write and uh i noticed that in one of the pictures you there were two instruments set up on the back of the uh uh, i guess i guess it was a t the tbm one was a top kind and one was a leica and I was just curious mm-hmm. why there was two different types of instruments there, and the what, and what they were doing, theory. and what they were doing. Yeah, the top cot was built into the guidance systems. So it had to run at all times, so we had to go actually go and physically change the batteries on that, and that was running at all times because we tunneled twenty four seven on that project. We never stopped, and the Leica tunnel station is how I would move the top cod back and forth because we would take like we we would only have like a very short period of uh time for moving the back site to the foresight so the leica i did all the control work in the tunnel and i had like um it, it was a concrete tunnel and i had like prisms and stuff affixed to the wall and affixed to the ceilings and i would do resections and then i would shoot the foresight and then I would move the top con and start tunneling again because it was very expensive to shut that down. So sure. the top con was built into the navigation system on that project. Gotcha. So how about in your current position? I mean, you've worked like those three projects that we mentioned, um, huge projects, pretty unique. Uh, in, your, in your current job, I mean, what, what are the type of projects that you work on that excite you? Um. I just I like working with the consultants that I work on work work with and we do a lot I do a, like a lot of uh, remediation of like uh, poles that have to be replaced and stuff like that and then we also have a really good land department there so I like learning about the land and how they negotiate with the landowners and. We, I have a really awesome group where I work with. My boss, Brian, has been doing it for 40-something 40, 40 years, and he's just like a, a wealth of knowledge. And when you sit in a meeting with a guy, you, you learn much just by how he interacts with other people. So it's like a great uh, – it's, it's a great environment, and everyone's team players there, and it's I just really like it. It's uh, – it's not as challenging survey-wise as some of the stuff I did. Like one of the, one other project I did was the Urenco, uh uranium plant down in Hobbs, New Mexico, mm. and that was a top top secret job where we couldn't uh, take data off or on the site. So I actually had to physically bring my calculator and laptop and calculate like very very uh tight layout 
with just with just my calculator and laptop and I wasn't allowed to bring data on or off the site for that and it was like I really learned a lot about hand calculations and uh, station offset staking on that project but for what I do now as in uh, it's, it's more of like a team environment and I enjoy that and it, it's a lot less stressful than some of the layout projects that I've done because I'm more like managing consultants and I have really good consultants that work for me. So, yeah. So you, it's more, it's, it's more of a management position than uh, actual surveying. I do check a lot of legals and exhibits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, throughout your 20 years, who would you consider to be your mentors? Uh, I would say Ron is probably survey wise my biggest mentor. I still keep in contact with him all the time, and he has a good uh, party chief there that I learned a lot from named Keith Martinell. And then uh, every time I go out to Arizona to fight, I always go out and shoot with those guys and oh, cool. uh, go out to the gun range, and they, they take me out. And then I keep in contact with Ron and Keith all the time, and then I was going through a difficult time a couple of years ago, and I was working for a company called uh, Encompass, and I had a really good boss there named Heath Smith, and the survey manager there, Tom Carlson, they were like definitely A-plus surveyors, and I really enjoyed working with those guys. They've been really good mentors for me, so... As far as the time stuff, I had to learn a lot of that on my own. So, yeah, well, it's so unique. I mean, are you in a position now to where you can uh, mentor younger surveyors? Yeah, I'm actually mentoring my, that uh, David Ravellis guy. That uh, I met him about three years ago, and I got I actually got him the job with BMT, and he's doing tunnel surveying now. And we'll get on the computer and chat about stuff all the time, and. I'll go over, like, ideas on how he can, like, perfect his tunneling. He's working on a huge tunnel in Cleveland right now. Well, and then the lake. <laughs> and then he went to, uh, he's, he's went to Germany to, to work with Heron Connect because they're partnered with Heron Connect. So he's, like, in the, in the tunnel game pretty well there. So I, I, I also like uh, his boss, Matthias. Uh, Matthias Knoll, he's the owner of VMT or like uh, one of the directors for for the North North American region and me and him have a really good relationship so a- anything I could do to help David I usually help him so we talk daily and he's always in contact with me Gotcha. about tunneling so. I'm sure he appreciates having uh, access to your knowledge that's for sure uh, one of the things I know you wanted to mention or talk about was um, being bipolar. And we've talked about you know, mental health and mental illness on, on the program before. It affects so many people, but I know that's something that you also wanted to, uh, wanted to mention. Yeah, I, like I grew up in a really bad um, environment for my childhood because I never knew my father and uh, I had a stepdad that was like very abusive, so I started to develop really bad depression when I was like fourteen or fifteen years old, and I, I was on medication and stuff like that for it. And throughout the years, I kind of like got off the medication. And I didn't know what was wrong with me, and I would have issues with people and. Uh, get into conflicts and stuff like that. And I, I, I just couldn't handle personal relationships really well with the anxiety and depression that I would, I would go through. So basically a few years back, I got diagnosed as having a bipolar disorder and I've been on medication and it's been helping me with my personal relationships. So, and a lot of people think, um, mental disorder he's not smart enough to do this stuff and i just i don't i don't agree with that stigma because i think we're a product of our environment and i worked really hard to get where i'm at and i've taken 
IQ test, and my IQ is around 140. I took the Mensa IQ test, so, I mean, bipolar and anxiety and depression can affect anyone. I mean, Kevin Love of the Cavaliers just wrote an article about him having an anxiety attack on the court, and that I read that article, and it, like, struck home with me, and that was, like, one of the things that, like, inspired me to get help for my disorder and like i've been on medication for about two years now and it's gotten a lot better with personal relationships and i feel more focused and every everything's going better in my life but yeah that's great all through all the struggles that i've been through i just kind of like kept going and like if i heard the word no i would just keep going and keep pushing and pushing and pushing and I eventually got to where I'm at. I'm pretty, I'm doing pretty well for being 38 and surveying. I mean, I just graduated with my master's and graduate certificate. And that was very difficult for me to get because I was working full time and then taking classes at night. And it's, it's always just trying to better yourself is, is how I look at it. You, you try to improve your situation. You try to do better for your daughter and your family and friends and, it's just really important to me to speak out to like other people that have bipolar that are bipolar or have anxiety and depression and say that they can do it too. It's not something that's gonna stop you if you get help for it. Because I used to rely on other other ways to deal with it that weren't as healthy, sure. and then I went into the vegan diet, and I be I reaffirm my life with Christ and everything and like my life really straightened out once I uh, started attending church regularly eating right doing the Muay Thai kickboxing and like if you stay on track your your life will stay on track so I'm no that's that's a great um, example yeah I appreciate I appreciate you sharing that and I I don't know if you listened to the show previously I had mentioned that um, you know, I had struggled with some anxiety and, uh, and things like that and got put on some medication that, um, you know, put me in a much better place. But I think there's a lot of people out there that are just so afraid to... It has know, a stigma to it. It has a stigma to it. And I think there's some people who are just afraid to ask for help or admit that they may have a problem, you know? So I really, really appreciate yeah. I appreciate you, you know, having the courage to speak out about it. Yeah, and I don't use it as a crutch. Like, no job that I've ever been to has even known that I have it. Sure. So I just I just go and work, and I want to be treated like everyone else. And uh, But it, it is important to get help and ask for help when you need it. So. Yep, and kudos to you for making the, you know, the, the, the changes to your life, you know, whether it be the Muay Thai, uh, you know, commitment or the diet the the diet you know uh, exactly so um it speaks volumes oh thank you guys yeah well you you say you're 38 you're still a young man but is there anything you would tell your uh even younger self that you wish you had known then that you know now uh I would just tell myself to keep pushing and keep working hard and try to build positive relationships with people. That's the key to life is building positive relationships because you never know who you're going to come back in contact with in surveying. I mean, I, I meet someone 10 years ago, then 10 years from now, they're my boss. So I, I would tell myself to make sure to keep positive relationships and keep everything professional and, Make sure to uh, treat everyone with respect and treat people how you want to be treated. So, the golden rule, right there. Um, so you're you're, based, you're the definition of persistence and resilience. The way I look at it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very resilient. Like, I actually wanted to get my master's degree from Florida Atlantic, <clears throat> but I didn't get it accepted because my freshman GPA was too low or something like that, which was weird because I got them a lot of publicity when I did the Port of Miami Tunnel, and they were actually using me to recruit geomatic students, wow. and they wouldn't accept me into the master's program. So I was like, 
why are you guys using me to recruit if I can't get into the master's program? So I just kept looking and looking and eventually got into UF, and UF was an awesome program. I think it's one of the best uh, geomatics programs in the country, and I, I learned so much there, and I had awesome professors, and I actually got a job there while I was working, so I, I could have that... went the PhD route, but I decided not to. I think we've all been there with that low GPA in our freshman year, <laughs> except for perhaps Jake. Yeah. He's the overachiever of us. <laughs> we I got, did, I did we got high hopes for him. With a three, I graduated with my master's with a 3.96, though, so I am pretty happy with that. I, I kind of turned it around after I got a little bit more serious. I, I, I wasn't even in school for geomatics my freshman year. I think I was in for acting or something like that like some, and i just didn't go, i just didn't go to class and I, we got hit by like three or four hurricanes that year, and i didn't get to drop my classes i think that seems like a legitimate uh, excuse was, <laughs> oh yeah hurricane. They, yeah we got hit by like three or four bad hurricanes where i had to like evacuate the state i had no roof on my house and i wound up getting bad grades in the classes because i didn't they wouldn't let me drop the classes so but I, I I recovered from it though. So and I graduated with a three point nine six. So I'm very, very happy with that. And I really love the love the route that I went because if if I didn't get denied to go into Florida Atlantic, I wouldn't have got to go to UF. And I think UF's an awesome program, and I learned from awesome instructors there. So it's uh, it's so it funny. Definitely great. No, nobody ever sets out to be a surveyor. <laughs> It just happens somehow. <laughs> they don't sell that to you in school. <laughs> We're gonna work on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't I didn't even know what geomatics engineering was. <laughs> and I was I was driving by a sign one day and it said Florida Atlantic University Geomatics Engineering program. I'm like, Oh, that sounds interesting. So I signed up and I was actually the first graduate to ever graduate from the program. Oh my god. That's awesome. So I yeah, I, I signed up for the program, and then I just got a job as a rodman. And I was like, this ain't that bad. I mean, it's, <laughs> I can it's work a pretty good this. job. And then, <laughs> yeah, it's not but so yeah, bad. My, my grandpa and like, was a good influence on me to get into the field because he wanted me to get into engineering, and uh, he, he kind of mentored me to get into that. So I'm very thankful for him as well. Well, you kind of meant... He passed about five, six years ago, so... Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. You you started out with the uh, golden rule of treat others the way you want to be treated, and you know don't don't burn any bridges essentially with the the relationships that you have. But uh, beyond that, is there is there a specific mantra that you live your life by? Something that you can leave our audience with? Uh, don't just don't take no for an answer and just push on. Just if you believe you can do it, you can do it, and that's that's what I would leave the audience by. Don't don't let anyone tell you no. If you want something bad enough, go after and get it. So, yeah, great words of advice, Robert. I appreciate that, and appreciate your uh, your willingness to come on, share your story with us. It's been great. Is there anything else that you want to add to the conversation that we may not have touched on? No, I just want to say thank you guys for having me on, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, if anyone wants to reach out with, to me about the University of Wyoming program, they're more than welcome to, or any surveyors want to reach out about my story or whatever, they're more than welcome to find me on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever. I, <clears throat> I'm really, uh, I really love the community and knowing other surveyors and getting to know people's stories. So uh, I hope this affects some other surveyors and, um, I meet some connections through this, but maybe when I come out to Phoenix for my next fight, I'll come see you guys. So. Oh yeah, we'll come watch your fight for sure as well. And then we can go shooting with Ron as well. <laughs> yeah, then we yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think we're, I think we're set up now. Oh man, well, no. Again though, I appreciate you uh, coming out. I appreciate your humbleness and and willingness to share the story. We'll we'll put some links on uh, when when we. When we post the podcast, we'll put some links on there to the, the Wyoming site and stuff like that. So, uh, again, we appreciate it. Yes, thank you. You guys got anything else? 
Oh, thank you, guys. All right, man. I think that about wraps it up. All right, cool. Well, it's been a ride. Before we get out of here, let's make sure that we uh, plug Social Hall one more time. This awful place that we love so much. <laughs> Our home away from home. Uh, check us out at thegeoholics.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and request to join our LinkedIn group, The Geoholics. And download all our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Last but not least, email us at info at thegeoholics.com if you're interested in being a friend of the program or a guest on a future show. Carol Pacey and the Honey Shakers, Crumb taking us out. Check out their latest record, Bliss. Add value, make friends, everybody. Adios. Thanks again to our friends of the program. Please be sure to check out Land Surveyors United at landsurveyorsunited.com, Unifly at unifly.aero, Bad Elf at bad-elf.com, and Parkland College at parkland.edu forward slash surveying.